Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. Well, first of all, I want to say it's always a pleasure to be in the house of God. Can we get in a praise? Yeah, it always is. Uh, Pastor Eddie and Pastor Max are on the move. They send you their love, but let's keep them in prayer. Uh, You might want to get your Bible or your phone ready because we're going to be on the move. You can turn to Genesis 25, right? That's where we'll be. Um, Is there anybody new in the house this morning? Uh, Just raise your hand. Anyone visiting for the first time? I'd just like to see who's all here. Yeah? Good. Welcome. Thank you. We're glad you're here. Anybody else? Okay. Just a reminder, when we finish today, make sure you go out those doors, and we have a gift for you. I want to make sure that you get that gift. It'll help you in your walk with Christ. So welcome, all of you, for being here. It's an honor to have you here, and those of you at home, we're also honored to have you viewing and watching, and we're not forgetting about you. We're one big family, so we're we're glad that we're all here. And uh, I'm glad to be able to share the good news. I mean, look at the world. It's dark, and it's not good news. And so when we have an opportunity to share the good news, we should be excited, and I am. And I'm also glad when I get to sit where you are because I get to hear the good news. And what does Romans 10, 17 says? It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So the more we hear the word, the more it sinks in. And that's a good principle to remember. If you're a note taker, and you should be, uh, now's the time to take a note. If it's mental, I get it. I have three points, and here's the point number one. The more faith that you have, the more recognizable the move of God will be seen in your life. You will see it. It's more evident I mean, that just makes sense. I mean, think about Pastor Max for a minute, and then think about me. (laughs) You know, Pastor Max is pretty strong, and because of his muscles, I guarantee he could lift way more than I can. In fact, he could probably lift me, right? So my point is, is the more faith you have, the more then you can see with the eyes of faith, and you'll see the move of God happen even greater. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't, we don't walk with these eyes. As, as we mentioned earlier, I think, uh, uh, in communion, they said that, you know, your eyes can betray you. Your ears can betray you. We walk by faith. And so we want to build that up. And that's what needs to grow. How many of you, I'm curious, it's a new year. And since we're on this concept of more, more people are wanting more health as time, you know, the new year and time goes on. How many of you have, like, done a resolution? You're, you're on a new health kick or some sort of new habit? Yeah? Okay, good. Anybody else? Yeah? Good? Okay. You know, I see it in my office all the time. This is the time of year. People come in and they say, yeah, I, I really need to get back in health. I'm going to get back into an exercise routine. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to come see you and get aligned more frequently. I go, great. And then about a month later, it's over. That's just how it happens. That's our habits. But I want to give you some godly wisdom, some perspective in your journey here. Um, you know, 1 Timothy 4.8 says this. And, I, you know, I get this picture. Uh, 
Paul was writing, and he's an older gentleman, and Timothy is a younger man. So he writes this to him, and he says, For bodily exercise profits a little. It's profitable, but for a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So it's good that you're starting that journey of working out more. It's okay. It's good. Just keep it godly. You know, keep God in the picture. And, and you'll go a lot further than if you're just doing it on your own strength. So how many of you want to know more of Jesus? How many of you want more Jesus in your life? I mean, that's why we gather and, and we put him in, into the center. And so that's what we're here for. I, I want to pray at this point before we move further. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And Father, we... We lay ourselves before you now and we lay uh, all things during the week and all things today leading up to this moment. And we just put them aside uh, so that our ears can be opened by your Holy Spirit, our heart can receive, and, and so that we hear your voice and know your will. We, we want more of you and less of us. And Father, I, I pray for the body and in particular that I'm aware that you know, I pray for Rick Wright and his family who lost his, uh, his dad this week. And I, I pray for Iona who's out of town and broke her hip. And we want her to join us soon. And she's doing well. We know that. And we know you're with all of them and both of them and all of us. So, Lord, we just, we would just need more of you. And I thank you in your mighty, your holy, and your precious name. And we all say amen. 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 How many of you have a phone? Yeah. Probably everybody. I only got three, three hands go up, but everybody has a phone, right? That's a stupid question. Why don't you even ask that? No. <laughs> so here's the thing. You probably have phone numbers in there, right? How many phone numbers you got? Do you know? Too many. That's right. I have like 1,500 and half of them. I don't even know who they are anymore, right? I need to go through the phone or just do a reboot. But here's the thing. How many of you have God's phone number? Do you have God's phone number in your phone or do you have him in your heart? Do you, you know what that number is? Tell me. Shout it out. <laughs> Jeremiah 33.3 is what I'm thinking about because it says specifically, call to me, I will answer you. So you don't get a busy signal. You don't even get a message machine. He says, call to me, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know, which I do not know. That's how good our God is. So put that Put that phone number in your heart, Jeremiah 33.3. I'm sure it's going to come back to you. So point number one was the more faith you have, the more recognizable the move of God will be for you in your life. Point number two, this is something you want to jot down or hold dear into your heart. It says, call to him. He will answer you and show you his greatness. That's my point. Point number two. Now, I only have three points today. It's either going to be a short message or point three comes at the end. So keep those points in mind. So we talk about this move of God and, and, and moving and, and being moved by the Holy Spirit and, and so forth. So in our kids' life, I want you to know that uh, we share something called the seven C's. It, it helps us kind of give an overview of the move of God in history and in life. How many of you have heard of the seven C's? Yeah? Yeah, because you, you work in kids' life. You serve there. That's why you know it, right? 
Come on. So the more, if you start getting into ministry, and specifically I, my heart's in kids' life, if, if you go to kids' life, you're going to learn, and you're going to learn a lot. Um, in fact, we go through the Bible in three years. Those kids will have the whole Bible taught to them in three years. And they'll do it three times if they stay from uh, nursery all the way up to JC Life. That, that's, that's, that's an amazing thing because most people don't even read the Bible. A lot of Christians I know don't, haven't even been through the Bible. So anyway, the seven C's go like this. Creation, that's number one, right? That's God's move. He created it all. Six literal days and rested on the seventh is what it says. How do you know, how, do, how many of you know that evolution and that theory is an end time battle? Did, did you know that? You know, that was started not too long ago, maybe 100, 150 years ago. Scientists were just talking about it. They just, you know, how the mind gets, the flesh gets. And then all of a sudden, the next thing we know, it's in the schools. And before you know it now, the kids know it. And now they bring it home, and now the parents know it. And all of a sudden, the Bible doesn't seem to have as much relativity because evolution seems to have taken over. That's an end-time battle. I know because I get it even from my grandson from time to time. You know, he comes home, and we'll talk dinosaurs, and he's talking billions of years. And I go, whoa, 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 let's talk a minute. Let's wait. Let's, let's see what God says. So we need to know our words. So creation is one area where he moves. And another area um, where he moves, but just so you know, it's not just that creation is being attacked. Identity, our identity is being attacked. Our kids don't even know what sex they are anymore because they're getting that in school. And they're questioning it. It's, we need to be diligent and, and be mindful of our children and what they're getting and, and, and what they're hearing. Lose your identity and lose it in Christ and you've lost it all. I guarantee it. Second uh, area he moves in in the fall of man. So the next C is corruption. And then the third C is catastrophe. And the fourth C is confusion. Catastrophe was the flood. Confusion is the Tower of Babel. And then we have Christ, his birth and his life. And then we have his crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And then we have his consummation, which is when we live with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Did you know there's going to be a new earth? This earth is fading away. And so don't, don't have your heart set on this earth or this life, but we have our heart set in our home called heaven. So no doubt God moves in general. Uh, and those are all generalities, I mean, specific in terms of what took place and specific and how he moves in the world. And it's not just in the Bible. These are things written about in history books and other books outside the Bible that have been recorded. So the doubt comes more, I think, when we start thinking, will God move in my life? Will he move in your life? And, and we can start to doubt that. And so I want you to be aware, and I'm just going to give you three, but there's so many more areas. But the first one, he does move in your life personally, on a personal level. He didn't just create and leave things go. He created and he has an active hand on his creation. And so we're not alone were adopted into his family. And so how many of you here, by show of hands, uh, have become a child of God? You're a believer. You're a Christian. You're the one who's saved because of Jesus Christ. That's correct. Yes. And so John 1.12 says this, but as many as received him, who's him? Jesus. That's right. It's Jesus. As many as who received him, it says, to them he. Who's that he? 
God the Father. He gave the right to become children of God. You believe in my son, then you believe in me, and you're my child. That's what he's saying. And so to those who believe in his name. In verse 13, uh, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That's the move of God. So if you're a believer and you know who Jesus Christ is, God has moved in your life. And don't negate it and don't sell it short. Don't, don't keep it, uh, you know, in the background. Keep it in the foreground. It's, it's relative. Second thing, how many of you here, once you believed in Christ and once you were set free, and it is a freedom, isn't it? We're, we're free to live in the Holy Spirit. It's just amazing. So what does he ask us to do then? Be born again. How many of you have been born again, baptized, dunked, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, that's what he asks us to do. In Mark 16, 6, it says, he who believes, that's us, and is baptized, that would be our next step, will be saved. And it says, but he who does not believe are condemned. Are condemned. That's serious business. So the move of God, if you were a believer, and then born again, he's moving in your life. And then the third thing, what happens after we're baptized? Right when we're baptized, what's happening there? Who, who comes to live in us? Holy Spirit, right? He's the gift from Jesus. And so that's the, born, the, the Holy Spirit gift. And so um, Luke eleven thirteen says this, If you then, being evil, talking about us, Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? We need to ask. Call to him is what we we heard earlier, right? Call to him. He'll answer you, and he's going to show you great and mighty things through his Holy Spirit. So God does move personally in our lives. And all of us who've believed and been born again and received the Holy Spirit You should be seeing that in your life. And there's much more, so much more. You know, um, in 2010, uh, my practice, my business, my personal life, there was a lot of tension going on. There's a lot of things happening. Most people don't know. My wife knows. But most people don't know of all the intricacies and delicacies of my life. Most people think I'm just one happy guy. And typically I am. Even when I'm having problems on the inside, I have joy because I have hope. You have joy because you have hope, no matter what happens. But I told my wife, I said, look, I need a day. And so my office allows me to do that. I I used to work three and a half days. Now I work two and a half days. My goal is to work no days and be here full time. That's my goal. But back then, back then, I needed some time. And I let my wife know, hey, I'm going up and I'm going to go for a hike. I'm going to take a day. I'll be gone I don't know when you'll see me. Don't worry. You know, you won't be able to contact me because I'm not going to put my phone on. And and besides that, where I'm going to go is no reception. And she goes, where are you going? I go, I'm going to go to Trump course. And she goes, what? Trump. Up there in that hill, that area, there's a lot of trails. And she goes, no, you're going to play golf, aren't you? And I go, no, I'm not. I'm serious. I'm not. It's too expensive. I would love to. So I went and hiked. I took my backpack. I had my water. I had some, you know, munchies that I can do. I went on the hike, and look at these pictures. Look at this first one. I started in the morning. It was a beautiful sunny day. It it couldn't get any better. And and then the next one, 
the birds are, you know, they just, it just kept getting better for me. It kept getting more beautiful and more amazing. And then I hike down this hill and I get to the bottom and I go, what the heck is that? That's the love shack. The world calls it a love shack because who, who knows what goes on there, right? I call it a love shack because I met Jesus there. You know, amongst all that graffiti, and I didn't want to keep it up too long because I don't know if it offends anyone because I don't know what all that stuff says. But I got to tell you, when I investigated it and I walked in there and I looked around and I go, what the heck? There's this rock. And amongst all that trash was written Psalm 91. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, oh, that's what you want me to read, huh? Because I had my Bible in my backpack too. So I said, okay, I'll get to that. That's good. I'll remember that. And so I go on about my business. I wanted to go to the tide pools, and I did some more hiking, and I saw all kinds of beautiful stuff. You know what? At the end of the day, I never opened my Bible. I mean, I opened it, but I never got in it. I never got to it. I, was, I felt like as if I was walking with him, and I was there, and I didn't want to end it. But then I looked at my watch and I realized, I got to get going. I have a class, a journey of faith I had to get to. Pastor Jason Kusick, uh, he was leading that class. And so I rolled in there. I called my wife, said, hey, I was running late. I'm heading to my class. You won't see me till later tonight now. Okay. So I get in the class. I set everything down. I'm getting my notes all ready. And all of a sudden he walks in. He turns off the light. And I go, oh, how am I going to read? I can't even get to my notes. I can't even see. He goes, we're going to do something different this morning, or this evening. And uh, he goes, I want you to just take a couple deep breaths. I, I want you to relax. I, I don't want you to think about anything that's taking place today. And I want you to focus on the words I'm going to read. And he opens up his Bible, and guess what he reads? Psalm 91. I got my encouragement. I got my blessing. I got it what I needed. I just didn't, I didn't do it at the time I saw it. But God said, no, you need this today. This is what you you came for, and this is what I'm going to give you, and so the day is not going to end until you get it. That was so beautiful. That's the move of God, and you should have moves like that in your life as well. How many men are in the house today? Ah, at least two or three, but I heard all your other claps. But man, that is one heck of a boy. God has blessed you with a boy. We need to use that in a lot of places. I love you too. So, men in the house, how many of you know or heard of the Reach 3 Challenge? You heard of that? Yeah, I heard it last night. I saw it and I go, I got to announce that. And this is the perfect time. Reach 3 means the men's discipleship is moving forward with a new series called Rewired. We saw that on the announcement. It starts this Friday and Saturday. The Reach 3 Challenge is we want you to, you men, and if you're not already in men's discipleship, then this applies to you directly. But if you're already in it, then this means invite three more men. It doesn't even have to be in the church. They could be your friends, your neighbor, men who need to be rewired. How many of you need to be rewired? I am constantly rewiring myself, right, for the things of God. And so Pastor Eddie on Man Up Monday, last Monday, he talked about how to mess a move up of God in your life. He, he talked about David, and he said, he, you compromise where you should be, and David did, right? He, he stayed home. He decided to, you know, relax, 
that's how it happens. In the privacy of our own homes, we can, we can be attacked. And so David stayed home instead of being out at war with, with his men and fighting. The second thing was compromise your authority. You know, David sent for Bathsheba. He, 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 he knew what he was doing. And so he compromised his authority. And I think, as Pastor Eddie said too elegantly, Bathsheba knew what she was doing too. She wanted to be invited to the palace. That's how sin works. And then the third thing he said is um, compromise your integrity. You know, David tried to hide what he did. And that's how things start. You know, sin escalates and is at its greatest peak when it's in secrecy. But when you can acknowledge it, when you can bring it to light... You're now free, and it has no more authority over you. And that was a beautiful message. And then last Sunday, Pastor Matthew, can I get an amen for that? <clears throat> you know, that's a delicate area, and he presented it very beautiful. And, of course, because the Lord is beautiful, and it's his words in Psalm 23. And I love that beginning, the Lord is my shepherd. My means personal. The, one, the word before it is means he's present continuously. It's the present tense. He's always there, and he's my and your shepherd. He's personal. And then he leads us through the valley of death. And where does he take us? To the dinner table again. He has a table set for us waiting. You know, that is a beautiful picture of how we are supposed to see God and move with God and how God moves with us. Amen. I, I love those amens. <laughs> Listen, if I were to tell the front row, if I were to say, hey, stand up and I want you to go to the back, and you did, that would be my will, wouldn't it? And then if uh, maybe during the service someone stood up and you decided to, well, not walk out. Let's say you walk to another seat. Let's say you wanted to get out of the, your seat and move to another seat for whatever reason. That would be your will. You know that when your will matches God's will, he moves. That's what we're looking for today and every day. And that's what we want to talk about. How does that happen? What does that look like? So we're going to be in Genesis 25. I had mentioned we're going to be in verse 21. If you're there, uh, move to 21. And it's about Jacob and Esau. And it's an amazing story. It starts out in verse 21. Now, Isaac... That's uh, the father of Jacob and Esau. It says, now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because why? She was barren. How many of you know that you and I, as believers, we too can become barren, dry, and stale. We can become unfruitful like that. And so this is the picture. But it's really happening as well. There's all these layers in the Bible. I love it. It comes alive in so many ways. And so uh, what's the first thing uh, Isaac does is um, he goes to the Lord. He cries out, right? He prays to the Lord. Get that picture. And then it says, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So here he is. He started this family, and it, by the way, he met at age 40, Rebekah, and that's when they married. And then he has this uh, idea that we're going to start a family. I, I want daughters and I want sons and we're going to build this family it's going to grow and we're going to raise them up uh, in God and, and so but that never happened we became barren and then all of a sudden he prayed and then all of a sudden and not all of a sudden it took 20 more years he prayed every day for 20 years how many of you have prayed for something every day for 20 years or more 
Yeah, well, eventually God answers, and he says he'll answer. Sometimes we just have to be patient, right? It's not easy. I agree. It's not easy. But that's why we're born into a family, and that's why we support and encourage one another along the way, right? All right. Now, so Isaac does what... Uh, for his bride, what our bridegroom does for us. Jesus sits at the right hand now of the Father, and he intercedes for us and prays for us all the time. And so that's, that's who we are in Christ. And so uh, if you're aware of your own dryness, your own barrenness, or someone else's, the first thing to do, and that's what it says here, go to the Lord and pray. Go to him. Cry out to him. Now, verse 22, but the children, oh, she wanted a child, and now we got children, it says. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire to the Lord. So here's the picture. No longer barren. Prayer was answered. That's a good thing. She's happy. But all of a sudden, something's not right. There's something going on in here. There's some sort of trouble happening. And then she makes an appointment with her, the great counselor. Right? Jesus Christ. She goes to the Lord. Right? She goes to God. And so she gets an answer. It says, no longer barren. Answered prayer. Something's troubling her. So she goes to the counselor. And here's the answer she gets in verse 23. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people uh, shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. There's a lot there. Let me share something here. This is a picture of our flesh and the spirit. One of the children is a picture of the flesh and one is of the spirit. And they are waging war inside her belly as it rages war inside our lives. How, do, how many of you know that we typically in this life are led by the flesh and its desires, but we are to be led by the Spirit. And when we get to heaven, our home, that's how it is. That's why we pray on earth as it is in heaven, because in heaven, we are led by the Spirit. Our bodies are led by the Spirit then. So this is a picture of our flesh and spirit waging war with one another. And if we feed the flesh, what's going to get stronger? The flesh. And if we feed the Spirit, what's going to get stronger? The Spirit. Good. You guys are on track. Now it says in verse 24, So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. So God uh, spoke with truth, and now the evidence is there. Verse 25, And the first came out red. How would you like to have your baby come out red? You know, I think it's better than coming out blue. That would be a problem. But this picture of red, and then it goes on to describe a little more. He was like a hairy garment all over. One hairy red baby. So they're not all beautiful and cute at the beginning. And then it goes on to say, uh, so they called him Esau. And in verse 26, afterward his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. Get that picture. So the brother comes out or is on his way out. His foot is still left in. And then Jacob is grabbing to say, no, I want to be first. No, I want to be first. And so uh, 
It says here he's pulling on his heel. And so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old uh, when she bore them. So I would mention that fact earlier uh, that he had prayed for 20 years. So get the picture. The red hairy man, <laughs> which will grow up to be the man, is the typical outdoors flesh kind of guy, right? That's the outdoors man. Whereas the heel snatcher or the heel catcher or the leg puller, he's kind of a kidster, a jokester, uh, wanting to be first. That's the inward guy and kind of stay at home and kind of by himself, right? That's, that's the picture. And so uh, of the spirit. And now it says in verse 27, so the boys grew up. The red hairy man and Jacob, the heel puller, they grew up. And Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. You know, tents uh, was the common dwelling of that day. And so it said, basically, the picture is a fleshly brother and a spiritual man. That, that's kind of, and, and why did the fleshly brother come out first? Because each of us walk in the flesh first before we're touched by the Spirit. Second, right? That's the picture. That's the picture. And God's going to do a new thing here as we see. Verse 28, And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his, what? His game. He loved that he was a hunter and he could bring him home food and he gets to try all these different delicacies of meat. You know, whatever the meat of the day. Rabbit, bison, chicken, cattle. I don't know. Whatever, deer. He liked that variety. He liked that protein. He liked that meat. He's a meat lover. And so uh, it says here that uh, Isaac loved Jacob. But then it says, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And it ended, period. No reason. That's important to know because while Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed the meat provided by Esau, Rebekah loved Jacob, period. The flesh always tries to give reasons for being loved, right? That's the picture. Uh, you know, Jacob, though, is a picture of the spirit. And so it reminds you and I that God does not love you and I because we're lovable or because we're lovely. He loves you and I uh, because he is love, period. He, he doesn't love us for what we do for him. It, it's not that you read the Bible every day and you're in prayer every day and, you know, you're in ministry and serving. That's not why he loves us. We do those things because we love him. He loves us. And so that's the picture. Now, verse 29. Now, get this. Now, it says, now Jacob cooked a stew. <laughs> it's quite a stew. In fact, I think he stewed on this for a while, knew exactly what is he doing, just like Bathsheba was doing. He's setting his brother up. And so it says here, um, Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. Uh, verse 30, and Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew. I'm very weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Man, so it's definitely a setup here. And, and Jacob knows what he's doing. Esau is just kind of going with the flesh, moving with the moment. You know, he's hungry. I need to eat. Give me that stew. And so Jacob says uh, in verse 31, sell me your birthright all as of this day. Sell me it. Now, in the Old Testament, the birthright uh, typically goes to the oldest son and would receive a double inheritance and be a spiritual leader of the family once dad 
dies, once dad passes on. And so he would fill the void. And so this is a significant role and a significant ministry for the family. But look what Esau says in verse 32. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright good for me, right? What, what is it good to me? I don't need it. And so he despises it. And he doesn't really think that he's going to die right now because he's not getting his food. I think really more the, the concept is that I'm going to die one day. What good is a birthright going to do me? I don't need it. That's his thought. He's just living for the moment. He's, he's in the flesh. He's a fleshly kind of guy. And so Esau could care less. And what does the flesh care about? Ministry. So what does he care? And he simply wants to satisfy his appetite. And so verse 33 then, Jacob said, swear to me this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. You know, as, as bad as Jacob is in terms of setting his brother up and knowing deliberately what he was doing and, and, and so forth, you got to give him credit he always has a hunger and a thirst for the things of God and the kingdom. And that's why he wanted that birthright. It meant something to him. And so he placed a great deal of importance on that birthright from the beginning where Esau didn't. And so he tried stealing it at birth, pulling his heel, wanting to be the first one, but didn't make it. But he stole it here. And the funny thing is, is that if you think about it, Jacob tried to purchase what God is already going to give him. He, he gets moved ahead of God. <clears throat> Whereas Esau, he tried to sell something that he didn't even possess or have. It was never really his to begin with, though he thought it was. And so Jacob schemed, but the greater blame, the Bible says, goes to Esau, who despised his birthright. Yes, and Esau's character proved the wisdom of God's choice, even before they were born, that God did something uh, knowing ahead of time. And so what he knew, now we witness in this birth. And so he's doing a new thing because he overturned what was traditionally the first son's birthright. It's now the second son's birthright. Yeah, amen for sure. Because, you know, he is doing that new thing as he does in us. And he's pointing to his son, Jesus Christ, who is the last Adam. The first Adam sinned. The first Adam Failed miserably, but the last Adam, Jesus Christ, sinless. He did what Adam couldn't do. He does what we can't do. And then verse 34, it says, And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and beans, and then he ate and drank and got up and left. He went his way. And Esau despised his birthright. You know, Esau didn't even say, thanks, bro. <laughs> he was just in his own world and in his own flesh. You know, it still happens today. You know, if we're not careful, you and I, we, we have time. We all have 24 hours. We all have 24 hours. And sometimes we choose time rather than eternity. We think about the moment rather than the future. And so the pleasures of sin for a season can crop up rather than the joys of God that will last forever in our lives. You know, we make priorities and leave God out. You know, I understand working out is important. We need to be stewards of the temple God gave us, this flesh. And so you can work out, keep it godly. That's all, just keep it godly. Keep God in the mix. And so, you know, it's, it's sad when TV comes over the Bible. There's more hours today spent, even in the 
Christian world, I would suspect, on TV than there is in the Word. Um, and so we sell our birthrights by doing that. What birthrights, you say? Well, Ephesians 1.3 says this. We have every spiritual, spiritual blessing in heavenly realm by being a believer in Christ. He's blessed us. Uh, he's chosen us. He's adopted us. He's accepted us. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven us. He's given us his grace. He's given us his, the ability for us to know his will. He's given us eternal inheritance. He's given us his Holy Spirit. That's the birthright that we give away when we ignore, uh, you know, the things of God. Far too many people trade away the cheap for cheap entertainment, momentary popularity, passing pleasures. I'm an example of that. I've done all that. I used to be on what you guys called, I think it's old-fashioned now, maybe Nintendo? <laughs> I think you're up to Xbox 100. I don't know. But I used to be on that a lot. I used to go golf a lot. I used to spend time with my friends a lot. And it would be hard to see where God is in the mix because sometimes you just get involved. Now I could play those things and I can see God in all of it and I can recognize him and I can share him while I'm doing it. That's the difference. It doesn't consume my life. It doesn't consume my life. God is consuming my life. And so I can see him in everything I do. Can I have the worship team come up? So here's my third point coming up. Get ready. You know, if you're a note taker again, get ready. Here's the note. We're going we're to share it with you. How can we change? You know, we can't. I'm going to tell you now, you and I can't change. We, we can't. We can't do it in our own flesh. We can't do it in our own power. And we can't do it by forcing it. It does not work. Oh, you might get some temporary success. You can go to that therapist and they can give you some guidelines and things to do but it only works for a while until your flesh rises again and then that takes over we cannot do it in our own power Zechariah 4 6 has the answer God spoke to his prophet and he said this to him you will not succeed by your own strength or power but by my spirit says the Lord Almighty that's how we change so point number three first of all let God move in and then let God move in you. That's the point. What does that look like? I want to give you something practical. Something I do in my life daily now. It wasn't always the case. But it's made a big difference. We all go to bed at night. And hopefully by God's good grace we all wake up in the morning. And I don't know about you, and I don't know what you do, and I don't know how you do it, but when you wake up, the first thing should be in your mind, in your thoughts, before you even open your eyes. God, thank you for waking me up today. God, fill me with your spirit today. I need your spirit more than I need food, water, the bathroom, my clothes. I'm not even thinking about those things. Just fill me, Lord, before I step my foot onto the ground. Fill me. And when we give the Holy Spirit permission, permission to manage our lives, because we certainly have difficulty managing it. You can see it. 
You see it in the world. I can see it in my past life. When we give Holy Spirit permission to our lives, He produces this kind of fruit in you and I. Galatians 5.22, it says, Love, joy, peace. How many of you want that? We could stop there. That's enough for me. But He gives more fruit. Patience, kindness, goodness. We need that in the world today. We need that in our lives. We need that in our families and in our neighborhoods and in our workplace and in our schools. Gentleness, faithfulness. And we certainly need self-control. Things are getting out of control. But that's a good sign because we know who's coming back. In 2006, the end of 2006, uh, I had a good friend that was dying. His name was Henry, older gentleman, also a chiropractor. My life got busy. He was in a home. I knew it was close. I wanted to go see him. I, I, I prayed to God, give me time. I want to go see him. It's been too long. It's time to visit. I laid my head down on the pillow at night. I woke up in the morning. I gave God thanks for waking me. I go into my office, and his wife comes in. Before I went to the office, I shared with my wife my dream. I said, you won't believe this. I went to the hospital where I call him Doc. He was laying, and I sat with him. My dream, I just sat with him. And I was there for hours. He never woke up. I wanted him to wake up. I didn't go to wake him up. That wasn't the purpose. The goal was to be present if he woke up. I knew that. It was so peaceful. And I just sat there. And I sat there. And I prayed for him. Now, I'm in my office and his wife comes in. His wife says, Don, I just want to thank you for going to see my husband. I go, what? I go, yeah, last night. You were there, weren't you? I go, how do you know? Tell me. Tell me what you know. She, she said, well, the nurse. The nurse said you were there. How does the nurse know me? Because she pointed to your picture on the wall in his room, hugging him. And she said, you sat in the chair next to him. I did. I, I still get so emotional because... It's like I was there and I wasn't there. But that's the move of God. I wanted to be there and God said, I'll take you there. And he sat me there. And I kept seeing that nurse walk in and poke her head. Everything okay? Yeah. 
the same nurse that identified me even though I wasn't there. It's a miracle. I, I see it as a miracle. I got to see my friend. Two years ago, I shared this once before. Two years ago, my grandson and I, Shane, we were in my kitchen. We were sharing an orange. We're, we're peeling it back, and I give him a piece, and I take a piece, and we're laughing, and we're sharing what we just did, and all of a sudden, he looks at me, and he goes, do you know that look? Have you shared that look? Have you seen it? He couldn't breathe. He, I realize he's choking on the orange I just gave him. You know, I don't know about you, but my adrenaline's pumping. And I got down low, and I turned him around, and I did one Heimlich. Nothing. I did a second Heimlich. Nothing. I said, Lord, I know he doesn't got much time. And on the third one, out it came. I thought I was going to lose him. He turned around and said, thanks, Grandpa. And I looked up and said, thanks, Lord. That's the move of God. It's the move of God in all our lives. He's there always. Then my grandson said, I almost went to heaven, didn't I? And I said, but you're here, and I'm so glad you know about heaven. Look, Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You know what sin does? Sin chokes us. It kills us. And some of us here today, and some people you might even know, family and friends, they're choked by their own sin. Some of them don't even know it until it's too late. I don't want that to be anyone here today. I'm going to pray a prayer. I want us to bow our heads, close our eyes. I want you to say this prayer only if you mean it, and you say it to God, not to me. And I want us all to say it out loud who believe this prayer. Father, I come before you. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need you. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died and that he raised from the dead for my sin. And Lord, I confess and make you my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer to God right now, you're a believer. And your next step, your next step is to be baptized. Now we're going to worship. We're going to take some time and give Lord thanks and praise. And I'm going to open up these altars because I want to pray with you as well. And if whatever prayer you need, whether you're a believer or a new believer, whatever is going on in your life, these altars, this altar's open. It's at the altar where that secrecy of sin is now brought to light and has no more authority over us. This is where it takes place. You want to move a God? 
Get up and move out of your grave and get up here to the altar and be altered. Let's praise. Let's worship him. We need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your
Church, the move of God is upon us right now, and he's not going to leave you. More faith, more calling out to him, more seeking his will. We've had such a great time. Let's pray before we leave. Father, I come before you. I thank you so much. Since you've raised us to a new life in Christ, help us to stay steady and focused on the realities of heaven where Christ sits now on the right-hand side of his Father with authority and with honor. And Lord, help us to stay focused and thinking of the things of heaven and not of the things of earth. For this life we've died to. Instead, our real life is hidden with Christ in God. Lord, we thank you for that. That's a mighty move, and we're grateful. We want more faith, more faith so that we can move mountains, so that we can conquer giants and calm the storms. Lord, we want to have the strength to be able to cry out to you more and more and call to you in all times, good and bad, that you're at the center of it all. And Lord, now that we have you in us, we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to move in us and change us from the inside out. We pray this in the mighty, holy, precious name of our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. And we all shout out, amen. Amen. Have an awesome afternoon and the rest of the week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless you.